This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. All right, gents, I'm pumped for this. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. So hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Started Investing, a podcast where we attempt to answer the most common money and investing questions that come from the amazing Get Started Investing community in an effort to help us all become better investors. If you are joining us for the very first time, we welcome you. We strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Now, while we are licensed, we are not aware of your personal circumstances. So all info on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general advice only. But with that said, let's crack on. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. I am very excited for this episode. This is a series that uh, you've really wanted to get out mm. uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. I think you've just loved the imagery of <laughs> Under the Hood. Yeah. There was a dream of one stage of you and Darcy going and renting a car yeah. to film this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't quite got there yet. We haven't quite got yet. But uh, this this is a, a series that we've wanted to get off the ground for a long time, so I'm excited to do it. Me too. So the series is called Under the Hood. It's supported by Global X ETFs. And in essence, Ren, whenever we're talking about ETFs and how to analyze them and how to think about it. People always say, experts always say, you've got to go under the hood. You've got to know what you're talking about. You've got to understand what you're buying. And that's where this series was really born from. We're going to be doing 10 episodes with experts from Global X ETFs in the hope of answering some of the biggest investing questions around how to actually analyze an ETF. In each episode, we'll unpack one major Global X ETF and answer one major question about how to analyze an ETF. And over the 10 episodes, we'll cover 10 ETFs. We've actually snuck in a few more than 10, <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll cover 10 of the most common questions we get around how to actually analyze ETFs. Yeah. So it is our pleasure to welcome uh, a returning guest to the Equity Mate studio, head of distribution at Global X ETFs, and that is Kanish Chug. Kanish, welcome. No, thank you for having me, guys. So Global X, um, they are a leading player in the ETF industry with a, a pretty robust platform and over 30 targeted products globally. They have a very trusted reputation with over a million clients in 95 countries and are uniquely positioned to identify and analyze disruptive companies and with their industry-leading research team and global access. Yes. So uh, in this first episode of this 10-part series, we're going to be asking what's in a name. We're going to be looking at how to make sense of the sometimes confusing uh, terms, the jargon and the acronyms that you might find in an ATF's name. And the ETF that we're going to use as an example and we're going to then go under the hood on is Global X's Morningstar Global Technology ETF. Kanish, how would you rate that name out of 10? Um, Look, I I think to start off, an ETF's name needs to describe what the product is trying to give investors exposure to. So that's sort of one of the main jobs that we sometimes have with the name of an ETF. How would I rate that? I think it does that job. So it goes, it tells you who the issuer is, it tells you who the index manager is, and for some 
you know, price, and we'll, we'll sort of unpack that. That is important, um, but it also tells you what the exposure is, which is global technology. So it's global technology stocks. Yeah, and I think that's probably a key thing that we want to get across in this episode. It's it's not that we are having a crack at the names of ETFs and we think they're bad. It's just well, we that, can. Well, they're, 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 okay. they're, well, they've evolved over over time as well. Over the like, so the ETF industry in Australia is 21, 20, 22 years actually this year. Globally, we've had ETFs for over thirty years. ETF names have evolved because mm. I, I was looking back at some of the first ETFs that were listed here on the market oh, yeah. and they were very, very formal is what I would say in terms of they adopted a very similar approach. Um, you know, it would be ETF issuer, index name, like the, the actual index name, yeah. the, the complete index name. Yeah. yeah. So uh, everything that you mentioned there, Kanish, issuer name, index characteristics, I think are all like really good defining features that are important when analyzing an ETF. But for a, for a person coming into it cold, it is pretty confusing as to what on earth is going on. Yes. Um, we have a question that's come from our community that really kind of illustrates, uh, illustrates this, I guess. Hi, guys. Just a question about the acronyms and jargon with ETFs. There's S&P 500 and then there's S&P 500 high yield and inverse and then S&P 500 leveraged. I'm sure there's even more. How do I go about working out what's what? Let's start general. Um, what what are we looking for when we uh, when we see an ETF? Like what what's in the name? Firstly, you're looking for the issuer, so that's going to always be the first part. And to break that jargon, what is the issuer? So the issuer is an ETF provider. So for example, Global X ETFs are an issuer of ETFs with a fund manager essentially. Yeah. So we manage the money on behalf of clients. Yeah. We our job is to track the underlying exposure, the underlying benchmark that we're saying we're going to do in our product disclosure statement. So I take this example, we have a physical gold ETF. So our job there is to buy physical gold, track that, make sure the ETF does exactly that. So that's the ETF issuer's job. It's like the brand. Yeah. The ETF, the, the ETF brand. Yeah, exactly right. A good way to think about it is if you had a chicken burger, um, and a chicken burger, you had the McChicken, so you've got a McDonald's chicken burger, yeah, you had a KFC chicken burger, and you had a, bur- a Hungry Jack's chicken burger. The issuer is essentially the Burger King, the McDonald's, the KFC. Nice. nice. I like Great this. analogy. <laughs> I, think, I think this analogy is going to get a lot of, uh, of use. Ren hasn't episode. had lunch either, so <laughs> yeah. he's hungry. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying what I had for lunch just now, but yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's that's good. So we've got the the issuer is uh, the, the brand, the identifier who is who is owning that ETF or, yes. or issuing it. Issuing it. What what is the next sort of thing that we should look for in the name? So again, traditionally, what we've seen is the index being used. So in that example, that that question that was asked, S and P five hundred. Now S and P five hundred is one of the largest U.S. equity or U.S. market indexes, and so traditionally you'll have and there are ETFs that track that, and so they would put that in the name. Mm-hmm. Now, why do they do that? So. Maybe it was a bit more plain vanilla at the sort of nascent stage of the ETF industry. So that was sort of the more formal way to do it. It's sort of very sort of traditional in its manner. But the other reason is some people have an association to an index. Some people know these indexes quite well because 
they watch Koshy's News on Sunrise or whatever <laughs> it is that they, you know, Ross Greenwood, etc. And they see the, um, you know, I've got no affiliation to any of the channels, um, but they see the market update and they go, okay, I know that, you know, whenever they talk about finance, it's like the ASX 200 did this, the FTSE mm. did this, the S&P 500 did this, the NASDAQ did this. So sometimes they, people have that association to a particular index and to issuers. Essentially, when you think about it, a name is there as a, an, a way in which to engage investors to have them to look at the fund in more detail. People should not invest look just under based... The hood. Look under the hood. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, people should not just invest based on the name of an ETF. That, I really need to be really clear on that. The name of an ETF is there to engage an investor to ensure that they then look further and deeper into what that ETF provides. Because, you know, we don't have a thousand words that we can put in a name. You know, we try to keep it shorter as much as possible. That's really hard sometimes. But you have to do enough to go, who's the issuer? The index, and that's where that second part comes in more traditional sense. But now we've started to, do, to develop. And the reason why I say that is, you know, we've got an ETF, the GlobalX Copper Miners ETF. So GlobalX, that's the, the provider of the ETF. Copper Miners, that's not an index, mm. but that is telling the investor what that ETF does. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's where we've come to. So sometimes an issue will use an index name because there's some affiliation, some familiarity from investors, and sometimes there may not be that familiarity and it may be better to use something like copper miners in that way. Mm. Let's put it this way. Global X copper miners is a lot clearer than Global X Solactive Global Copper Miners Total Return Index. Exactly right. Yeah. Yes. And what have you just done there for people listening? Like, what does all of that mean? Yeah, that's the the index. I just had a look on their website. That's where you can look under the hood, yes. globalxetfs.com.au. Yeah. And I had a look at the index that the copper nice. miners ETF so tracks. So you put the issuer with the actual index. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is the index names are very long sometimes. So if I take, you know, we, we said that we would be unpacking our tech ETF, which is the code. And we haven't talked about the code, but, you know, that ETF, the name is GlobalX Morning. Star Global Technology ETF. Okay, that's long, but relative, but still relatively short. If we used your the way exactly mm-hmm. what you've done, it would be the Global X Morningstar Developed Markets Technology Moat Focus Index ETF. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> now, longer names. Longer names. <laughs> exactly. So, Ren, in that question, uh, we had someone saying S and P five hundred yield, leveraged, etc., etc. Inverse. What's going on there? Yeah, so these are the special characteristics. These are, to extend uh, the chicken burger analogy, these are, is the chicken burger fried or seared, grilled, deep fried? Does it have (laughs) mayo or um, aioli? What type of lettuce? You you get me. I'm torturing this analogy now. (laughs) I'm going to apologize to the outside. I didn't mean to start this, but yes. No, it's good. Uh, Let's see if we can carry it for all 10 episodes. As Bryce said, I haven't had lunch yet. So now (laughs) I'm thinking about it as a chicken burger. So that characteristic is essentially what the issuer is trying to provide the um, investor's exposure to the investment strategy behind Mm. it. So the S&P 500 at its, that's it that is essentially exposure to the S&P 500 index. You know, we've got physical gold, that's exposure to physical gold. But when you go high yield, low volatility or leveraged or inverse or, what you know, whatever it may be, or equal weight is another one that, that has come up. That's essentially 
the nuance on what is the traditional ET, the index. Mm. So the S&P 500 is that base and that's why some issuers will still use it because of that affiliation to it. And then the, 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 the descriptive of the characteristics of what the investment strategy actually is, is high yield low volatility, et cetera. It's the strategy. Bit of jargon in there, but yeah, it, it's the flavor. Here's my rule Here's my rule of thumb, and you guys might disagree with this, but if there's a, a special characteristic, a flavor, uh, a twist on it, and you don't know what it means, you don't need it. Like if you don't know what inverse means, you can live a long and don't happy life it. never investing in it. What are your if you don't know what leverage wish? means, you can live a long and happy life, build all the wealth you need, never invest in it. Well, Yes and no, and I, I, that's a, it's a good point. But also, I think as a provider, we need to be better at educating clients because I think we sometimes get caught up within the finance world of using jargon mm. and using acronyms, and I think that's not necessarily a good thing when you're talking to self-directed investors. And so, you need to try. We need to simplify things. So mm. we're doing a lot more around that. So when we do that product development and we go, okay, we need to come up with the actual fun name, we need to come up with the code. So the fun name, we're making sure it does very clearly and simply, you can see that fun name and you can understand what you're essentially, the underlying investment strategy is. Mm. But as I said, the whole concept here is that is just the introduction. It's there to then go under the hood and actually, you know, take a bite out of the burger. Let's put this into practice. The ETF we're talking about today is the Global X Morningstar Global Technology ETF. Now, we can already sort of see some of those building blocks that we were just talking about coming through. So, Kanish, let's put them together and let's start with two company names at the front, Global X Morningstar. Two issuers? So Morningstar is an index manager. They're not one of the largest in the world in terms of when you compare to the S&P, NASDAQ, uh, FTSE, MSCI. They're some of the most common names of index managers, Mm. but they are quite a large player, especially with certain sort of customised or certain sector-based indexes. Mm. So we'll have a look in a bit more detail at that index when we go under the hood. Where do these companies generate revenue from? So at Google, majority of their revenue is ads. A meta, yes, it's technology platform-based, but a majority of their revenue is ad-based. Mm. So therefore, it's a media, essentially a media and comms company. Mm. It's a new type of media. Yeah. It's not the traditional media, but that's where the innovation comes. So sectors can change. Yeah. And that's what this ETF is providing you exposure to global technology sector. This is a, exactly why you need to go under the hood. Well, exactly why. It, yeah, it seriously is like people, I bet if you went out on the street and said uh, global technology ETF named five companies that might be in there, you'd yeah. probably have the first five that Kanish named. Yeah, you'd have like Netflix, Netflix Alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. So what was interesting, because we've launched this fund since, you know, 2016 and this fund at the moment actually did have those names in there. So it did have Meta, it did have Alphabet in there. It didn't have Amazon because Amazon wasn't a tech company, but we those were removed when the sectors rotate, like changed accordingly when they were updated. It's an important reminder to not just look under the hood when you buy, but to stay under the hood. (laughs) Keep tuning. To to check your oil light every now and then. Go go, go for the service. (laughs) 
Well, guys, I think it is time to actually go under the hood for the Global X Morningstar Global Technology ETF to have a look at its purpose, the index it tracks, some of the fees and performance, and then actually understand what is in this ETF. Kanish, maybe if we kick off with the purpose of this ETF, it has been spoken about. You've mentioned it's giving us exposure to technology. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, Essentially, it's the only ETF listed here in Australia that gives investors exposure to the global technology sector. So again, people will go, well, if I buy the Global X FANG Plus ETF, which is essentially the FANG stocks plus, you know, a number of others like Tesla, Microsoft, etc., that's tech. But we've just gone through an alphabet and Netflix isn't tech. Mm. So if you just want the sector, how do you do that? This is purely that sector play. Tech yeah. sector, there you go, only Australia. In, and Ren, the index, what, what are we looking at? So we mentioned that before when we were talking about names. It's the Morningstar Developed Markets Technology Moat Focus Index. Probably a few things to unpack there. Develop, yeah. develop markets, first of all. So you're not getting Chinese tech? No, exactly. Yeah, so it's just focusing on those developed exchanges, the so developed market exchanges. So there's no, for example, um, Taiwan in there. There's no China. There's no none of the emerging markets that are in there. And then Moat Focus. Now, this is something that Morningstar is quite known for. They Every company they research, they give a Moat rating. It's stars, isn't it? Like one to five stars? It's essentially th- a, three, a, a rating of three. Oh, so okay, you've okay. got no Moat, yeah. narrow Moat, or wide Moat. Yeah. And essentially the Moat is Morningstar, they identify five sources of competitive advantage. So, And before yeah. you get into them, for people who aren't familiar with the moat term, it's the analogy is, you know, the medieval moat protecting the castle. It's the things that protect a company and give it a long-term competitive advantage. Exactly right. So if I looked at the five sources of economic moat that Morningstar analysts actively go in and they rate all these stocks, it would be switching costs, it would be network effect, it would be cost advantage, efficient scale, and it would be intangible assets. So I'm going to give you an example there. An apple is classified as a wide moat. Now, it's classified as a wide moat because essentially there's a switching cost that Apple has as a competitive advantage over its, say, Samsung. So you buy an Apple, like you you guys have the the Macs, you're likely to have the iPhone, you're likely to have the iPad. Mm. There is just that synergy and seamlessness that you can go between device. With a Samsung, it's just device-based because the Android platform can go from a HTC to a Samsung to a Google. So they have a low switching cost. So Apple is seen as having a wide moat because of that. The, The best competitive advantage for Apple is also the simplest. The network effect of being able to get blue messages and being able to be in iMessage group chats <laughs> yes. probably doesn't cost Apple anything, but it's such a competitive advantage. And then when someone gets a green message and can't be in the group chat, they feel excluded. That is a network <laughs> effect if I've ever heard one. Well, yeah, there you go. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all of this information is available on the issuer's website. So you can go to the GlobalX website and there's a product landing page with all of the ETFs listed. You just click on that and and all the terminology that we're using here is terminology that's on the website. It's terminology that is consistently used across industry. So if you're looking for performance, for fees, distribution, index, purpose, they're all listed on those web pages. So you're not going to find uh, that you you come across terminology that we're not using on those landing pages. Uh, there's usually a, an actual nice PDF download that you can get for all of them, One a nice one page of fact sheet that if you want to print out and put on your bedroom wall, go for it. We, we also have a fun flyer because the fact sheets get updated monthly, but we have a fun flyer that you know is a bit more evergreen, which has some of the index description, 
goes into sort of a rationale and investment strategy of, you know, what's the underlying thesis for, for that particular exposure as well. There you go. Wow. Going to need a bigger bedroom wall. <laughs> so, to, <laughs> so to close it out, Ren, the fees on this is uh, 0.45%. So, um, and that's just of your underlying assets. Uh, one question that we get a bit is, when do I pay the fees? The fee is uh, is taken out of the uh, unit price. That's correct, yeah. So, on a daily basis, the issuer will essentially strike, we call it striking a NAV, the net asset value per unit. So, we essentially, you know, settle and go at the end of this day and there'll be a time that we go, this ETF's unit price is X. Yeah. And that's daily. So within that calculation, the fee gets mm. subtracted from that. So you don't see it. You don't see money coming no. in. And no. out. You're not actually paying anything. No. It's just all, There's no all, invoice. all calculated. Yeah. No invoice. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm, no. Not, I'm not no. going out there with a hat. You, know? <laughs> you haven't paid your fees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Knocking on your door. So I think there's some of the key things that we want to cover in every uh, – when we start going under the hood – the purpose, what's it trying to do and then how is it trying to do that in terms of what index attracts, how much does it cost to do that, the fees. And then I guess uh, the last question is, is it actually doing that? How is it performing and is it doing it? How is it going against its benchmark? Well, Kanish, do you want to tell us the performance? Yeah, definitely. So if I look at the performance as at the 28th of March 2023, uh, you know, over one year, the performance is negative 3.93%. Over five years, this fund has returned 14.86% annualised. So per year, essentially. And then, Ren, when we look at the top 10 holdings, as we said at the top, you might expect to see your Apples, your Amazons, your your Netflix, your Facebooks or your Metas. But the top 10 holdings, there are a number of names in here that people may not have heard of. Pop quiz. Tell me what these companies do. Salesforce. Customer relationship management. ASMPT. Rip off of ASML. <laughs> I've never heard of it either. I've never heard of it. Vontier? No idea. No idea. Kanish, you know? Yeah, so Vontier is essentially they do the R&D, they manufacture sale development technical equipment, so essentially hardware. Okay. So computer hardware. When you think about technology, you've got hardware, software, semiconductors. They're your three broad sub-industry groups. So... A lot of these companies will fit into one of those three. Yeah, okay. What does Assumpt do, ASMPT? So ASMPT, semiconductors. So you're not too far off. Yo. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah, so semiconductor assembly and packaging. And that's essentially, yeah, they're they're a global business that that is in that semiconductor space. There you go. Yeah, some fascinating uh, companies in there. And the good thing about ETFs as opposed to um, other investment options like listed investment companies and stuff like that is that ETFs disclose every holding. So you can go on any ETF issuer's website and see every uh, company or asset that's held in an ETF. So you can really go under the hood. A lot of There's a couple of uh, um, semiconductors. Infineon, the fourth biggest, is Germany's largest yep. semiconductor yeah. player. But you see, this is where they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit because the biggest semiconductor players in the world are TSMC from Taiwan yeah. and uh, Samsung from South Korea. Yep. But they get excluded. Well, Samsung... Essential. Well, yes, they do. Being um, Korea is seen as uh, in Taiwan because of an emerging market, so mm. just developed markets. Mm. But what's interesting here when I look at this is you've got basically in that top ten, you've got Hong Kong, US, Germany, Israel. So there's a good cross section of the world just in your top ten. Um, and the idea being from an ETF, do I 
do I know enough to buy Vontir versus Microsoft versus ServiceNow versus Uber mm. versus Teradyne? Maybe you know you take some people will take that that stock risk and take a take a bet on on one of them and hope. But the idea behind the ETF is give that diversified view. Yeah, and I think you know one thing we often speak about on the show is ETF overlap, and yep. you know a, a lot of people would have started this episode thinking, "Oh, global technology—that's very similar to the Nasdaq 100 ETF that I have." Yep. But looking at this list, it's mm. actually incredibly different. Like the overlap wouldn't be nearly as high as you think because outside of Microsoft, none of those big tech names are mm-hmm. in this one. Mm. Well, well yeah. yeah. So if I looked at the Nasdaq index, um, I think it's. 49 or 48% is actually technology. So in that information technology sector, so yeah, you're already, you know, only looking at half of that and mm. then the actual index has other sort of screens and value valuation screens and things like that. So it's and it's global, so yeah. you're already going away further away from that. So the overlap to some other common ETFs that people use may be less than they think. Yeah. That's why you got to look under the hood. That's it. That's it. So to close out, the um, wh- where does this sort of fit in our portfolios, Ren? How, do, how would you think about this with your investment? So given that it's not a, um, a market cap weighted index product, you know, it's not just tracking like an overall market, I would think this for me sits in satellite. Mm. But given that tech is a long-term uh that has a lot of long-term tailwinds. For me, it's a long-term satellite holding. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Kanish? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a it's a satellite exposure within someone's global equity sleeve mm. um, because it's sector specific. So it complements broader broader indexes or broader exposures that they have. So guys, we set out to ask the question or to answer the question, what's in a name? And I think the big takeaway from me here is that, as you said at the top, Kanish, a name is really a good indicator to to go further. You've got the issuer in there, which is a good reminder to do some research on the issuer. You've got the index in there, good reminder to have a look at the index to understand what's going on in there. You can have special characteristics, you can have defining features to to then go further and actually understand what that means. Don't just take it uh, a book, what is it? Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, don't invest purely based on the name. There are some telltale, I guess, signals and um, reminders for you in there as you go to uh, to research ETFs. If a name is just to get someone to research an ETF more, have you ever thought about calling an ETF? Honestly, you must research this ETF. <laughs> so gl- gl- Global X D-Y-O-R. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's actually That's quite good. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, this is only the first of 10 questions that we're answering in our next episode. We're answering uh, how do we know when there is enough to actually make an ETF? And that's with uh, another expert from Global X. And then we'll be returning with Kanish in episode three. But for more information on Global X ETFs, uh, you can head to their website, globalxetfs.com. They do pride themselves on uh, the differentiated offerings that they have and the industry leading research team that they have behind um, a lot of the ETFs that they're putting up and the incredible global access that they're giving. So um, check them out, globalxetfs.com. But Kanish, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, thanks um, for having me. We'll, we'll uh, definitely be hearing from you in many more episodes to come. Thank you so much. Cheers. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 54067.